Hi guys, and welcome to another episode of the System.io podcast with me, Natasha Pinto. Today, our guest is Lane Amon. She's a communication specialist, digital marketer, and copywriter. She's also authored numerous books and articles, plus she's got years of experience as an entrepreneur herself. Welcome, Lane. Thank you so much for having me. I sound so much more impressive when you say it than, than I feel. So it's great to hear you talk about me. I'm like, wow, I have done those things. So thank you. Thanks for inviting me. It's a pleasure to have you on here. And you really have done a lot. But I do want to special mention your special talent, which is you help businesses, great and small, communicate their unique value to their audience. So I think this is a really important skill. It's undervalued. And I'd like to know how you found out that this was your your thing, the thing you wanted to do. Yeah. So I actually started out in journalism and I was a journalist in Silicon Valley. I grew up in California in the Bay Area. So tech was kind of in the water, even though I personally wasn't a tech minded person. Um, and what I discovered is that you'd have brilliant people in engineering and computer development and all these different things, but they had a really hard time expressing what was important about their project or their, um, their just the service or product or whatever it might be. So they would get really hung up in the details. Like it goes X megabits faster than this, or um, it will has this resolution versus this resolution. And especially back in the day, the ordinary consumer had no idea what that meant. So the person who's brilliant at bringing this, the, the tech to the masses is Steve Jobs. So he would say like with the iPod, 10,000 songs in your pocket. Like that is a perfect example of what I try to do. So I take the technology side of things, which is really interesting, but it's not interesting to the ordinary person who wants to know, does this mean I can take non-blurry photos of my kid at soccer? Does this mean my computer won't crash when I open three browsers at once or three apps at whatever it might be? I'd listen for the story and then I'd find what the unique aspect was like, oh, that means you don't get those orangey skin tones when you print at home on your photos or something like that. So I was able to not dumb it down, but just translate it. So I really thought of myself as a translator. So I was doing that for many years in, in journalism, and then I discovered that you can make a heck of a lot more money on the other side working for these companies in-house or as a contractor or consultant, helping them. So then that's when I kind of started doing that. So I, I love journalism. I love storytelling, but I was like, gosh, journalists really don't make very much money, but this skill set is really needed. So that's when I moved over to the other side and started working directly with companies, um, helping them craft their messaging, identify their markets, create funnels, kind of all the digital marketing things from the beginning to the end. And that's, that's where, and there were some side turns in there where I started my own companies at different times, um, but really found the part that I loved was the messaging part. I think that's um, an incredible story. And I think a lot of our audience will resonate with that because often the path to kind of entrepreneurship or online business or finding your particular niche doesn't run smooth. And you sort of start in one area and you think, hey, this is what I'm going to do. I've studied to do this. And then you end up somewhere completely different, but infinitely happier. <laughs> 100%. And especially in a field that's cutting edge like technology, where you can go to med school and you can specialize in pediatrics or neuro neurology or geriatrics or, you know, very specific things. But the things that, that we're doing, we're creating new things. So we don't know what the next thing's going to be. And so it's hard to, to anticipate and lay out a really 
um, step-by-step career path. And I had a lot of challenge with that because I am a really step-by-step person. Um, and I had to kind of just say, okay, I'm just going to do the next right thing and see where it takes me. I think it's a great way to kind of roll with the punches. Um, and then can you give us a kind of salary comparison? So when you first started out on your own, how much did you make from your first, I suppose, project? And then how are you doing now? Yep. So way back, like in journalism days, I was, I remember this is a great, great comparison too. And then I'll bring it forward into um, what I do now. But I remember working for the local weekly paper for five cents a word. So I'd write, you know, a, a column and get, you know, $10 or something like that. Mm-hmm. And um, at times I would even write for free in order to get the exposure. And then by the time I ended that, I, I'm, I would make, would be making a couple of dollars a word for some of the major publications that I wrote for. And I found the same thing true in my, uh, my kind of my new iteration as a consultant and uh, communications expert where early on, I didn't know that's what I was. So it was really hard to put a name to it, let alone really value that. So some of my early projects, you know, again, I was helping out friends for free or doing a swap where, hey, you design the website um, for me, you put up my website and then I'll write some copy, like for a website designer, I'll write, write some copy for your next client or things like that. So free swap. And then even at the, the low end, you know, once I started actually realizing, okay, copywriting is a skill that people will pay for, um, it might've been like $20 an hour, which, um, which sounds like quite a lot still, but this was after I had, you know, 15 years in online business. Uh, so um, as a journalist in online business, so $20 an hour might seem a lot to somebody who's just starting out, you know, maybe right out of university or something like that. But for me, I had already been in the business world for 15 years. So it wasn't a lot. It was, yeah. it was a very low amount. And now I can make, um, I don't, I don't nest, I try to value my time at about $100 an hour. Um, and so I pitch it out to projects based on how long I think it's going to take me. And what's interesting is that one client might not play. I found sometimes they get sticker shock with that hundred dollars an hour. (laughs) So they might pay me, they might be willing to pay me 20 hours at $50 an hour, but they wouldn't pay me 10 hours at a hundred dollars an hour. So (laughs) I got away from the hourly thing and I just bid the project. Um, because it, it just, people don't get it. They'll, they'll pay the same amount, but if they think I'm paying her a hundred dollars an hour, um, sometimes that is a difficult barrier to overcome. So I prefer project-based. I also think it helps take into account my expertise that I've developed over time, um, which doesn't necessarily come through, uh, when you bid hourly, because again, I can do something pretty quickly because I've done it a hundred times. Um, But people think, gosh, this person's only $50 an hour. She's $100 an hour. Gosh, you know, I'm paying twice as much, even though it takes me half as much time. It's just a weird mental thing. So I prefer to bid project. I think that's also a great strategy for when people are looking to price themselves. Um, Freelancers, especially, I think it can be quite difficult to raise your prices, to give yourself the raise you deserve as you are gaining experience, as you're gaining expertise. And yeah, pricing per project is maybe a great strategy to overcome that sticker shock that you speak of. And also that feeling of like, maybe I'm not worth this much an hour because it sounds like a lot even to me, but yes. if you take everything yeah. into account, yeah, definitely. Exactly. One thing with that though, if people want to move to that, just one word of caution is to really lay out um, how many revisions they get. What are the parameters of the project? Um, you know, how is it going to be paid? Because I made a lot of mistakes early on where I didn't build in, okay, you get one, I'll do an outline, you approve that, 
you get a draft, you approve that, and then I make final edits and then I'm done because then they would keep coming back and coming back and can you change this word or I don't like this section. And it was hard for me to say, well, no, I can't because I never put in the contract that it was, you know, two, two versions and done. So just be really careful about um, when you go project based what is included because hourly you're just getting paid hourly so if they come back every day for a year fine you're getting paid for it but the project thing it can trickle on and on and on a year later they can come back and say well i'm ready to revise my website and you're like well that's a whole new project so just make sure to lay it out really really specifically definitely and then to dig into your copywriting skill I would like to know your definition of what makes for good copy mm. and what are the biggest benefits of it? This is one of my favorite topics because you can go on Fiverr, speaking of, of money and things like that, or Upwork and find somebody to write a website for you for $10 or an email campaign for $15 or something like that. And people often think, well, I just need copy. It doesn't really matter, but it is super, super important. So I go by C's. These are all these all start with C. So first of all, it needs to be clear. People have to understand what you're talking about. I still get emails where I'm like, I have no idea what this person. I've been on their list for a, ten minutes, but they're talking to me like I've been here for a year, and they're in the middle of a launch, and I'm confused. And there's a saying in marketing that a confused mind does nothing. So if somebody's confused, you've lost them. They're never going to give you their credit card. So that is the first thing. It's got to be clear. Don't worry about being clever. Don't be a worry. Don't worry about anything else other than clarity. And that, um, that is actually, I have a radio show. That's the name of my show because it's so important, just clarity, clear thinking. So when I sit down, whether it's for um, a speech I'm giving or an email for a client, or even if I'm having a conversation with one of my kids, I say, okay, what is the most important thing they take away? What is the number one message I want to provide to the people when I'm writing this sales page, when I'm writing this email, whatever it might be, what is the number one thing and start with that in mind. So clarity is number one. The next thing is compelling, meaning it's got to move them to action. So if you impart information, that's great, but there should always be a next step. Even if it's not a sales call to action, there should be something else. Like, so if you email people, then there should be click here to see a video on this topic or check out my radio show or what's, you know, where is somewhere else they can go. So you don't want to leave them with a dead end. Even if it's just a short email, you want to give them something they can do if they have more, if they have curiosity or want to go deeper with you. Because the worst thing is to capture that person's attention and then they hit a wall and it's a dead end and they have nothing to do with it. And they were ready. They have a problem. You're solving their problem. And then they don't know what to do next. So take them deeper in some way, fix, shape, or form. So clarity, create, um, compelling creativity comes next. So then you want to be creative so you can be memorable. And that doesn't mean you have to be wacky. That doesn't mean you have GIFs all over your emails. I actually hate GIFs and emails. They don't <laughs> do well on, on um, mobile, which is where most people are reading these days. It's distracting. Um, but you want to do something creative. And, and the best way I can describe that is to bring your personality into it, whether it's your individual personality or your brand personality. Um, use, use examples that nobody else is going to use. Like if you used to be a golfer in college, um, use golf metaphors a little bit that people can relate to and link to you. Um, if you have seven children, you know, you know, talk about that. I mean, something that's unique to you because you don't want to be generic. And this is this thing I see people do all the time. They want to play it safe. They're scared to show their personality, but then you just blend into the background. 
So the people who get to attention are the ones who are going to be a little bit creative. So if you keep those three in mind, clarity, number one, compelling, giving somewhere else to do, and then creative, bringing some kind of personality into it, um, that can really, really help. Definitely. I think those three C's are a great way to kind of tackle making sure that your copy is, like you said, clear, easy to understand, compelling, there's something for them to do next, take that next step, even if it is just checking out another blog article or interacting with you a little bit more and creative, definitely. Now, I'd like to ask you, what is the biggest mistake you see people make in their copywriting? So you obviously are brought on as a consultant quite often. What is the, like your pet peeve that you see people do and you're just like, oh, why? Generic being generic. And um, in fact, I've started, we're in a big election cycle here in Arizona. I won't get into politics at all on either side because it's not the point of this, but I see these politicians who write websites and they're totally interchangeable. They say, I'm a leader. I'm a problem solver. I'm a man or a woman of the people. I mean, who isn't going to say they're a leader? Who isn't going to say they're a problem solver? They're just so generic. And I see the same thing with companies. For a while, I was doing a lot of work in the blockchain space. And I go to these blockchain websites and they all looked exactly the same and they sounded exactly the same. And if you, it doesn't matter what audience you're, because they were appealing to future um, prospective employees. They were looking for investors. They were looking for customers. It didn't matter what audience you were looking for. They all looked the same and I couldn't distinguish between them. They all had kind of generic names. And so just don't be afraid to be a little bit different and share a little bit of your personality. And the companies that do really, really well are the ones that are, are, are willing to be a little bit different and not necessarily like in your face or unless that's your personality. Um, but I always start with my, my clients and I say, okay, what is your brand personality? What are three words that your adjectives that you would use to describe your company? Um, what are the emotions you want people to feel? Is it challenged? Is it, you want to get them revved up and angry, or do you want them to feel calm? And, and because anything's on the table, but you've got to be really intentional about that and go for it. If you are um, somebody who is more in your face and you want to, you know, kind of agitate people. That's okay. There's people like Marilyn Manson, the, you know, the punk rock, like shock rock yeah. person or Howard Stern or mothers against drunk driving. Those people all want to agitate people and stir things up. That's okay. But on the other end, you have, you know, people who want to make you feel more kind of relaxed and accepted and, and that's okay too, but just decide and go for it. Don't be generic because you get lost in the middle. Yeah, definitely. You get lost in a lot of the noise. And because there's so many people who are already kind of playing that safe game, there's no way for you to rise above it if you stick to it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and now I'd like to talk about expanding your reach. So small businesses, especially when they've gotten to a certain point, this is kind of an obstacle that they'll end up facing. So where do you go to find more customers so that you can scale? What are your suggestions for the best traffic sources and how do you mm. convince them? Yeah, so that really depends on the business. So somebody like me, I really am a, a one-person shop. I'll bring in consultants or, or, or not even consultants, but um, admins and or designers and things like that if I need to. Um, I have some partners that I'll say, okay, this person needs a website design because I don't do website design. So I'll bring in people, but I like to keep it small and, and you know, kind of lean and, and just me, keep low, overhead really low, be very flexible um, because I tend to, go for the next new opportunity. And if somebody offers me a project that 
is outside my current realm, but sounds interesting to me, I will go for it. And if you have a team, that's kind of hard to do because they're like, wait, you hired me to do this. And now you want me to do this. And anyway, so I found for me, very, very limited scope um, of the projects I take on. And at any one time, I have a very limited number of projects compared to you. We were just talking about hitting that big number for you guys. You want to scale that big. So scaling for me might be adding on one or two really core clients. And I found for me, the best way to do that is through um, introduction referral and one-to-one uh, connection in person. So going to conferences, um, reaching out to people, um, that kind of thing, personal connection, it works really well for me. If you're looking to scale, like you want to go from 10,000 to 100,000 to a million, um, the first thing is just say, where, where are my people? Where are my people? And what is the way I can get in front of them most directly? Because I think sometimes we get into these, like in our brains, we have the neural pathways that get groove, you know, grooves. And we do the same thing in digital marketing. Well, so-and-so is doing a funnel to, you know, Facebook ad to a free uh, free masterclass to a follow-up sequence to a challenge to this. And you think I've got to do all that. Not necessarily. In fact, when you're doing the same thing as everybody else, I think we've already lost the game in some, some ways. Um, so think about, okay, is there a more direct way I could do that? Can I just reach out to a um, hundred of my best clients now and say, Hey, I'm going to give you a thousand dollars a referral. Just, you know, or, or just give me, get me names or, um, Sometimes Facebook ads can work well. That's a real challenge right now. Um, they are so expensive and people spend a lot of money getting very little in return. So if you took that money and you put it towards sponsoring a coffee bar at a big conference that's coming up or um, hiring some, some VAs to, to um, address uh, postcards and sending them out, nobody does snail mail anymore. What can you do that's a little bit different, but really meets that market? It's that message to market match, but it's also, you know, the, the channel to market match. So there's a lot of different ways, but I would just encourage people to think what's the most efficient way versus what is everybody else doing? Because there's a whole industry built around getting people to pay you a lot of money to create things that you might not necessarily need. Well, definitely. And I think, it can be quite intimidating if you're starting your own business and you're not necessarily marketing savvy. You've got all these people saying, hey, you need a sales funnel. I'll build you one. And it's got 15 steps. And you think, wow, 15 steps sounds great. That's definitely going to work when <laughs> it's not necessarily appropriate to your niche or to what you're trying right. to do. And you have no idea how to build it. So you won't know what happens when it breaks. Right. Absolutely. And then you've got to hire them to come back and fix it for you again. And, <laughs> and, all, and then you've lost more money than you've made. And so, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like it's pouring simple. money into really a hole. Yeah. Yes, make it really simple. And and don't be afraid to experiment a little bit too. So maybe you go in on ads on LinkedIn or or a free webinar or whatever it might be, but then put a little bit of money to something that you're like, gosh, that could be, that could really work. Let's give it a shot because not everything's going to work. And a lot of it is just throwing the lines in the water and see which one you get the fish bite on. And it's not always the one you think it's going to be. All right. And then I want to see if you can give me a hot take on this common quote. So everybody marketing constantly says content is king, but I would like to think that there's got to be then a king of content because there's so many different kinds of content out there. Now you've seen social media and it's preferencing short form video content and they're making that move across different platforms. 
and depending on how you contact your audience, some of those visuals and videos won't download. So if you're trying to send video or visuals via phone, it might not download. Now, what do you recommend? Who is the king of content? <laughs> so I think, well, there's a king of content, like in terms of a person who's doing it really well. Okay. So I'm going to answer that a little bit differently with all the different channels out there for reaching customers and clients and, and, um, and prospects, email is still my number one because you own it. Um, any other channel basically um, can be taken away from you, uh, whether it's YouTube, we've seen all that. You, you, so what if you've got a million followers on Instagram and your account gets deactivated? So anyway, I want to go for email, email, email. And that doesn't mean you have to be emailing people every single day, um, but you should be actively collecting email uh, email addresses and communicating with your prospects and your customers. So that's the first thing I want to say. As far as who's doing a great job with content, there's so many people who do fun and unique things and it's right for their market. But I always just, I love Grant Cardone and he can be a little bit controversial for some people because he is more of the hustle, hustle, hustle type of, of Gary Vaynerchuk. Um, but he, he is, I've worked with a ton of different clients at very high levels and he is one who really follows, like he does what he says he does. Like there's a lot of people out there who are teaching one thing, but then behind the scenes, they're operating their business very, very difficult, differently. He is somebody who like what you see is, is absolutely what you get. And I'm working on a couple projects for him right now. I just did 10X Kids with him, right? I can't point to it right there, the yellow book right there. <laughs> and, um, and his team operates the same way. And he puts out a ton of content because his whole principle is whatever you think you need to do, rev, rev it up by 10. So he puts out just a ton of content and the thing is it works for him. Um, and also he becomes memorable. He says, even he's one of those people who says even bad publicity is good publicity. So if people are talking bad because he's got too much content, he's like, Hey, at least they know my name, you know? So I really appreciate that about him. And I feel like he's an authentic, like what he says is really the way he's running his business. So, and it, plus I just think he's hilarious. Like he's not, he's not for everybody. And he would say that too, but I just really enjoy him. He does sound like someone who definitely walks the talk, which is as oh you my said, pretty rare. <laughs> yes. Yes. So he's a lot of fun. Um, and then I'd like to hop on to what you were saying about email. So you're right. Email is an excellent way to go. And it is the one thing that you own. That email list is yours, even if something goes wrong in another part of your business. How do you use copy to keep your email list alive? Because it's all well and good to keep getting in more new leads, but you need to be communicating with them and you need to communicate with them in a way that they're willing to keep opening and interacting with those emails. Right, right. I think, um, first of all, overall, email has gotten a lot shorter, just like every other form of content. There are exceptions to that. You know, there's Joe Rogan Experience podcast that goes on for two hours or whatever it might be. There's a lot of long form stuff. But when it comes, that's not really what we're talking about as marketers. Um, how does he promote his podcast is what I would look like. I will look at and he doesn't send out long form content to promote a two hour. That is the product. So how is he marketing the product? Um, so everything's gotten shorter. Um, so I still see a lot of people are sending long emails. Um, 
with with everybody reading everything on mobile, people having shorter attention spans, you've got to really hone in on why you're writing, solve a problem, provide some kind of value, and again, get them on to the next thing in your funnel or in your universe, whatever it might be. So email is a vehicle. It's not the product. And a lot of people forget that. So even in sales emails, I'll send a sales email that's like 1200 words long. Um, there was a, 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 a survey there that I saw, and I think it was by HubSpot. And it said the average length of a sales email was under 250 words. So I always remind people of that emails don't have to be long to be effective. And you should not be selling on the email. You should get the email is a vehicle to get them to a sales page or sales video or a free trial or something like that. So just give them enough information, get them on to the next thing. So I think the thing that that doesn't work with email is that again, you're just writing to be writing. You think, okay, I've I've got to send an email this week. So hey, happy Thursday. Da, 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 da. Like nobody, nobody wants that. Nobody also, it's very rare that people want a newsletter. I still see a lot of calls to action on websites, like sign up for our free newsletter. Nobody's looking for a, a newsletter. They're looking for solutions. They're looking for inspiration. They're looking for motivation. So tap into what people really want, promise them that, and then deliver them that. And there's millions of ways to do that. Um, but just email, it doesn't, it just, it needs to be value driven. Like all of your marketing, it's, it's emails, not really for brand recognition, um, it's, it's for Pat, it's, it's a vehicle to get people to other places and it's a, a way to, um, provide value to your audience. So I think if you think of it that way, then that can, um, help you again, what is the one thing I want to tell people in this email? Let's make it short. Let's make it punchy. Let's get them on to the next thing. And then that email has done its job. Would you use social media in a similar way where you kind of use it as the vehicle to push them to the next step, um, to push them to interact with you? And social is a little different because there is so much um, desire for behind the scenes uh, information and glimpses into people's lives and things like that. Um, so it depends on the platform. But uh, I think the big mistake people make with social is that they never get them anywhere else. They use that again as like, I had one client who had, I think it was 10,000 people in a free Facebook group. And she was giving so much value in that group, but they were not, she had like, I can't even remember 3000 people on her email list. I was like, no, no, it should be the reverse, you know? Um, so social can become a vacuum and you think you're working and it's vanity metrics because it, again, it doesn't matter how many followers you have um, because you don't know if they're seeing your posts. You don't know if they're reading your posts. Um, you put an hour into a super long caption that you don't even know. Yes, somebody double clicked and said they liked it, but they might have just liked the image. You don't know if they actually read what you said. Um, so social, I think, um, is a different, it's a little bit harder to use it as a vehicle because sometimes you can't put in hot links and things like that. But I feel like it's more of a um, community builder and a connection builder. Um, but yeah, you should always be thinking about that next step, just like with email. So if somebody reads your long caption and they want to learn more or they want to hear more, or, you know, it could just be leave a comment below and tell me your biggest challenge today, or just really value driven. What is the next step you want them to do? And I think if you keep those in mind, um, no matter what platform you're on, it's going to be really effective. Okay, definitely. So then could you summarize your advice into kind of like a one-liner of, What's the one thing you need to do to effectively communicate your value to your audience? 
I think it's what I said, start with what the message is. What's the takeaway for them? And that works, whether it's a podcast interview, whether it's a speech, TED talk, what is the one thing that you want them to know or to do as a result of, of hearing your information or reading your information? That's fantastic. I think it's a, a lovely one line is because I think if you've done your research, if you know your audience really well, and if you know your product or your service really well, that's something that you can do. It's easy for you to figure out, okay, cool. This is the thing I'm bringing to the table. This is how I stand out. And it's important to make sure that message comes through in your email marketing, comes through in all of your content, comes through everywhere so that your brand is solid and really gets the right people in front of you. Yep. All right. And then my last big question for you is what does the future look like for you? So do you have a medium term or a long term goal that you're looking towards at the moment? I used to be one of those people who set like five-year goals and 10-year goals. And now I'm like, I plan like one week ahead. So it's just, I couldn't even tell you, I want to keep learning. I want to keep learning, keep meeting really interesting people, keep learning what's working out there. I think of, of digital marketing in particular as like a big laboratory where we're always testing and discovering and trying new things and trying to replicate what other people have done. So I just love that aspect of it. And it's interesting because I've got that part of my personality, but then I'm also really like logical, like I said, step-by-step, step, I want to know what's going to happen, but you, I just don't know. So I'm working on some big projects, as I mentioned for Grant Cardone and a couple other people. Um, but I don't know, I don't know what's coming next. So just keeping things fresh. That's my goal. Fantastic. All right. Now some shorter questions for you. What is one piece of advice that you would give to your 18 year old self looking back? Don't expect to see the whole path at once. Yeah, because it's the same thing. I thought I actually went to undergrad. Um, my degree is in public policy. My graduate degree is in public administration. I thought I was going to work in, in the political realm. And I did that for a little while and just didn't like it. And so my path took really a lot of twists and turns. And I thought that that was a problem, like because it wasn't going where I thought it was. So if I had known just, yeah, you're going to be taking some crazy turns, but you're going to get to the place you're supposed to be that, that would have helped a ton, a lot <laughs> that would have lowered my stress tremendously. I think it's good advice for anyone, um, no matter where they are on their journey is that, you know, don't expect to see the end of the road yet. Just keep going, keep swimming. <laughs> yes. Yes, exactly. Exactly. All right. And then is there a brand or a personality that you would really love to work with and why? Mm. Oh my gosh, that's a great one. Who would I love to work with? I've got such like a dream list of clients that I work with now. I'm super, super lucky. Um, so let me think. Okay. Who would I love to work with? You know, I would love to work with Elon Musk and Tesla just to see what it's like on the inside of that. He is a constant innovator. And I know people say he's a pain in the rear and really difficult, um, but I would love to see just how, what that looks like on the inside. I think that would be incredible. Yeah, it would definitely be fascinating kind of to peek behind that curtain. Yeah, maybe like with the, one of his new projects, like he's talking about starting a university or doing like just starting it with something from the ground up and seeing how he builds that would be just an incredible experience. 100%. And then my last question for you is where can our listeners find you? If you tell me your website and all your social media tags, I will put them in the description. 
Absolutely. So uh, website is fastlane.com, F-A-S-T-L-A-I-N.com. Instagram, I'm at lane.amen. And then I think it's, um, I, LinkedIn is always a little bit weird, but it's it's my name, Lane Amen on LinkedIn. I'm not on Facebook much anymore. I found that it just kind of like went down, a, <laughs> went down a bad path there and I just didn't enjoy it anymore. But I'm on Instagram almost every day. One of my favorite things to do is read and I do 30 second book reviews on Reels where I read a book and then you know, like, it's not like a speed talking kind of thing, but I summarize again, it's a great exercise. And okay, what's the one thing I took from this book that I want to pass on to other people. And I read like a ton of books and very, very different books, everything from business to spirituality, to memoir, to, you know, you name it. Yeah. So, um, so I really enjoy that over on Instagram. And so people have seemed to enjoy those too. So yeah, those are probably the best places to get a hold of me. Fantastic. Lane, thank you so much for joining me and for giving me your time. And thank you to our listeners today. If you're watching us on YouTube, hit that like button and subscribe to the channel. If you're listening to this on a podcasting app, subscribe to the System podcast so that you never miss an episode. System.io is an on a digital marketing software platform packed with all the tools you need to grow your online business.